Craft Beer Radio, episode 296 on July 20th, 2014. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where we are your own personal Craft Beer Radio. We're doing a whole bunch of different uh, show beers, a whole bunch of different shows. It's the 296th <laughs> one we've done, and this is uh, a couple of different beers we have tonight of different styles. We're going to start with the River Horse. Yeah, are we? We are. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. It's a little bit confusing for me because I have to do everything on my phone right now. My computer's busted. So when I do searching, it'll be a little slow. But anyway. That's but he won't be able to bang on any keyboards. No. So. No. Hopefully that we hopefully we've taken care of any sound issues that there were. Yeah, we've made a few changes to the studio. I'm actually going to probably buy like a padded tablecloth or something. Yeah. Because uh, we've been noticing that we want to make the sound a little bit better. Promise we make everything so quiet that they're going to hear all the swallowing and the sniffing and right. that kind of stuff that you know really gross some people out. Okay, this River Horse. Well, Grace pulling it up. I'll pull what I can find on the bottle here. It's a Brewers Reserve. It's their fifteenth uh, Brewers Reserve batch. River yeah. Horse is out of Ewing, New Jersey, by the way. Yeah. They it's a five percent alcohol by volume. This is brewed with twenty five pounds of whole German noble hops, and I couldn't find any information on their website. I had to go to Rate Beer to get information on it. They have a little thing about the Brewer's Reserve. You know, by, by the way, sent to us by the brewer. Sometimes brewers get bored of making the same thing. Blah, blah, blah. If you like it, tell us and you might see it again. So. All right, so um, look at that. Yours is kind of clear. Mine's... So it's a bottle-conditioned Pilsner. Almost certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's quite cloudy. Yep. Greg's is clear. Yep. There's, uh, there's stuff at the bottom. I like oh I like the aroma. It's we had a, a trimmer in the mm-hmm. uh, opening, and, and so that's a very good pilsner to start out with right. in the pre-show. But this is a really nice crispy smell. It has a nice kind of noble hop zing to it. Jeff's going to try to smell mine to see if he if it's less muddy. There's, than a, his. there's a little bit difference, but yeah. I'm not going to blend them just yet. You know, um, mine's not too murky. But you know, it definitely seems kind of like an un, you know, like a Keller Weiss yeah. or an unfiltered. Pilsner. It's a golden color. Or, I'm sorry, Keller, Keller beer, Keller Weiss. I'm sorry. Yeah, golden color. It's a little bit darker than the Trumer. Mine looks pretty much like uh, you know a golden wheat beer with all how cloudy it is. There's a nice spicy. It, it, I think it's Zot's hit on mm-hmm. the on the nose. With some, just you know, Pilsner malt, the kind of uh, bready, biscuity malt. Yeah, in the I'm not getting the hops as much in my half of the glass, right? The bottom, the the yeasty half of the glass, but I definitely am getting a nice Pilsner malt aroma, biscuity, like you said. Good bite. It's. Oh yeah, the hops really come through very well. They don't over bitter, but they're definitely noticeable. They're a little resiny. I think it's okay. Uh, it's, it's not as classic as the trimmer is because it's got mm-hmm. a little bit of um, a little stickiness to it. The malt is also a little bit stronger. It's a it's a little sweeter and just a bit eh, kind of 
kind of English muffin-like, I think. Mm-hmm. I just tasted Greg's after I tasted mine. They're pretty similar, even though the clarity is different. Yeah, mine has um, a little more... I just took a sip, yeah. It's a little more fuller-bodied. It actually... Penn here, they make a um, a Keller beer on occasion, right? Mm-hmm. An unfiltered um, Pilsner type thing. And it has, it has a fuller... I get more of a fuller body on mine. Yeah, but, but you really, get a little bit less of the hops. The hops a little bit less of the hops, but... There's still some hops there, yeah, and it carries some of the flavor through. So I'm not like going to blend these. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it doesn't doesn't seem mm-hmm. right to blend them. I I think I like my version better. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you get one of these, decant carefully. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, we we said it before when Trumer won. Uh, won the show a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. There's something nice about going back to these sort of classic styles. Uh, even though this is a bigger, mm-hmm. more Americanized interpretation of it, certainly. It has a simplicity to it and a real crispy mm-hmm. drinkability to it that I, that I definitely enjoy. Yeah, I'm trying to put... I think English muffin, when you said that, that's... Um pretty good flavor descriptor of the maltiness that I'm getting. I'm trying to see if I can pull anything else out of it. You know, sometimes with the simple beers, the the less we have to say about them, it's almost better. Mm -hmm. Because they're just they're giving us something simple but they're doing it in a in a way that's One thing I'm noticing now that I'm several sips in is after the malt is gone, there's this nice hop aftertaste. This floral. Mm -hmm. Yeah hop aftertaste you know it's very noble and it's um it's light on the palate it's not straight bitter it's not resiny it's just this nice floral aftertaste of the hops and it's you know something you kind of like appreciate in in a you know continental type lager like this yeah i still think though that somebody who is not big uh, sort of you know people who aren't hop heads to a certain extent like you know like for instance my mother likes the malty Mm -hmm. beers she's probably not going to dig this she might like Trumer, but she probably wouldn't. She probably doesn't go for those much. I think it's it's, it's interesting because you can definitely draw a comparison from these beers to the beers that everybody thinks of when they say beer. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know, right. We would call, you know, <laughs> it was on it was on the John Oliver show on, on thing where, where um, they were talking about FIFA and they were talking about Budweiser's Fifa mm-hmm. and. and Something about how Budweiser charitably calls their calls their product beer, <laughs> <laughs> which I understand mm-hmm. more from a, from an English perspective mm-hmm. right. than an American perspective. But mm-hmm. there's a similarity here that people who are not really familiar with all the stuff that goes on in beer may find a little too close. Oh yeah, I think there was definitely a time in my evolution yeah. of, of beer tasting where. I wouldn't have appreciated yeah. the flavors in this. That I think that, uh, you know, I would have said, oh, this tastes like my dad's beer, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, as you practice, as you get, as you gain finer resolution in your flavor distinction, different, you know, they, they can differentiate. You can really see the difference between this and your dad's beer. Type Absolutely. Beer, so. Absolutely. This is a really well-made beer. It's a little strong for... A pure kind of uh, 
bohemian pilsner but i i dig it i definitely dig it river horse okay we're going with the other pilsner now yeah you said bohemian a second ago you'd probably be more accurate to say Check. bavarian bavarian Alrighty. Um, yeah, so we have. I still got to bone up on exactly no. what the difference is. <laughs> right. Uh, so this is the crisp. And I think this is. I'm almost certain this is the Pilsner. Do you have better information? They don't really say on the. I, I imagine it is. Um, let's see. I believe so. They don't exactly say on their website. But it's 5 before alcohol by volume, 44 IBUs. Uh, I'm trying to get just the. There's nothing. There's nothing really here. That's yeah. Not, so they they don't categorize it. They talk about how um, when mad scientists emerge from yeah. blah blah blah, yeah, yeah. old world craftsmanship, clean and bold flavors. Ah, uh, here's on the materials. on the box. Pills. There it is. Yeah, that's where I saw it from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they. I mean, their 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 IPA is called resin. You know they're. <laughs> They're they're not shy about mm-hmm. how they describe their beers. This is, by the way, also sent to us by the brewery by Six Point. Mm-hmm. They're in Brooklyn. These are in those tall, skinny twelve ounce cans, so they look like an energy drink. Yeah. Wow, that had a lot of hops on the aroma. Yeah, it does. Um, that as soon as you sniff it, you really notice from the last two Pilsners that we had that this one is not trying to be classic, right? Not, yeah, it doesn't smell like continental hops. That smells no. like that smells like Cascade or Centennial. Well, what I'm smelling is such potent hops that it, it kind of Maybe it smells little, yeah. like when you slide, when you snip open a hop pellet. Yes, yeah. So, but pellets have a certain aroma compared to whole flower hops, like when you're brewing, right? And that, that saturation of flavors, that kind of, I think resiny is going to be the right word here, or that, that almost um, sticky type aroma where it's so saturated that it's almost feels sticky. You kind of get that on, on this beer. Is there a green hue to this beer? It's a golden beer. Yeah, you're... But I think there's a green hue to this beer. You're not off. I, I, I see it. I definitely see it there. It's... That's odd. Well... I mean, not... From I, when I smelled it, it almost seemed like there was, like, hops floating yeah. in it, right? And now I'm looking at it, and it seems to have a slightly green hue to it. So there's nothing... I'm trying to read the the stuff on the side, which is oh, on the side of the box, distorted. But I don't see anything about like what materials mm-hmm. they use. But it's definitely a pilsner. They refer to it as a lager. They have pills on there, so definitely a pilsner. I mean that it, it's so potent, but you know that could still be Hallertau. You know, I think that that might be a very potent Hallertau. You no, know, it, it's definitely possible that if you over, not not overdo, but if you if you saturate, if you saturate, if you get a whole lot. I mean, I remember we went to with Anheuser Bush there. Hot facility. It was all Zots, but when you got there, it was just it was, big, it was powerful. That was mostly Hellertau. I thought it was Zots. I thought the guy said it was Zots. He called him Zaz. Saz, uh, he called him. Okay. 
I remember a large portion of that was Hallertau Middlefroth. So. It could have been. But he definitely mentioned Saz. Maybe they were harvesting the Hallertau when we were there. I forget. It's been a long time. All right. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's such a hoppy aroma that uh, the malt really doesn't stand out too much in the aroma. You can smell that there's beer in the glass, right? Yeah. But you really can't really pick out the the Pilsner malt like you could in the previous two beers. Mm. Big hop flavor. Tastes like a hop tea or something like that. Right? It does taste so, a little bit like a hop tea. The 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 hopping, I think you're right. I think it is noble, mm-hmm. based on the flavor. But it's a lot of it noble. Is. It's, it's, it's really a really lot. It's a really grassy, right? It, it's um, mm-hmm. almost like a fruit of lawn cuttings, sort of. Is that <laughs> you? You get some. That 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 the uh, kind of the raspiness that you get from a, a fresh hopped beer, mm-hmm. or when you throw a hop cone into your beer, you're getting some of that on the back of your throat. Yes. I mean, there's so much hops in here that it, it's carrying through those kind of characteristics too. It's kind of like the the pairing to resin in a way because resin is a big juicy IPA. Mm-hmm. This is a big. This is like continental resin, right? right? Yeah. This is a big juicy pilsner. The malt is more, I think, French bready in a way. I think yeah, that, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. French bread crust, something like that. But it's it's just laying a nice foundation for these hops to just kind of just boil over, and we can imagine it. <laughs> I almost I'm surprised this beer is only five point four percent with the saturation yeah. of flavors yeah. and how malty it tastes. I would have expected this thing to be like six and a half, seven. I always picture a French bread with a, a huge amount of just like resiny hot marmalade just thrown <laughs> on top of it or something. It, it's and just a like a sub sandwich mm-hmm. <laughs> made of that. Hmm. I I like it. I'm. It's different than a lot of imperial pilsners that we've had, right? Yeah. I mean, it's hopped like it, but it doesn't have the maltiness, yes. and it makes it. You know, it, it, to me, it reminds me more of. I use the con. I think I might have just said this, but you know, a continental IPA. Yeah, right. It's, it, it's not a double pills. It's not. I you know to me this feels like a, a, if a German was making an IPA, right? <laughs> but with but with all continental ingredients, right? Mm. You know, that's kind of what I'm tasting here or if German was making a double IPA you know that kind of thing but it's I, I think I mean I don't know if, if it's just that I know about Pilsners I, I feel like it's still a lager I feel like it doesn't feel quite like an ale it doesn't have quite the okay well the backbone I, I, I hear what, I hear what you're saying but maybe that wasn't really the focus of what I was saying it okay. was a German brewer using his processes and ingredients but trying to clone the experience of a IPA, of a West Coast IPA. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I so do. Even I do though it's a saying. lager, yeah. even though it's Pilsner malt, even though it's Continental Hops, it is like the German version of Torpedo or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. It's... Yeah. No, I, did, I, I totally agree. 
it's a really interesting take on the concept of Pilsner, mm-hmm. a sort of of real. I mean, if the River Horse was was Americanizing a a pretty standard sort of Pilsner recipe, mm-hmm. this is taking it to a whole other level. Right, right. I, I think they're different. Going at you know different. They're taking it to different places, yes. right? Like the Absolutely. River Horse was. Who knows what their intentions were? What we taste and what we can presume from the outcome is that you know it. They weren't going for a delicate pilsner; they were going for an Americanized. That's not the right word because that carries too much yeah. baggage over the last hundred and fifty years. They're, they were coming over the craft American version of a pilsner, so it's going to have a percentage more body, a percentage more you know things like that, right? Where this one is. If I was a German, using all German processes, <laughs> yeah. trying to make a counterpart to an IPA, that's I think this is what you would get. This and is this a little. Is, this one is a little about throwing yeah. throwing the rule book out and going a little I mean, crazy. The beer was slightly green. There yeah. was so much hops in it. Definitely still drinkable. Again, mm-hmm. another one where if you don't like hops. No people who drink beer are going to like hops, so it, it's it's relatively you know it almost needs not be said. Yeah, it almost needs not to be said. But this is this though. This is something that we could have drank at the beginning of our show, and I think still would have appreciated it with our, I guess, much well, more late palates. At the beginning of the show, our late palates have been like, "Oh, it's so hoppy! It's awesome!" Yeah, yeah. But now that we know what the breath of the beer world tastes like, mm-hmm. I think it's more fascinating to drink it now. Absolutely. And like kind of how I described it. I don't want to rehash what I just said, but I, I'm really proud of putting it there, I think, because it, it really makes sense for me in that location. So the other beers are pretty strong. Let's go with the New Planet, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We uh, have these New Planet, these gluten-free beers. We don't want to uh, ignore them. Sent to us by the brewer. So I think so, you're in Colorado, right? New Planet? I, I don't think it's Colorado. I think it is... Oh, yeah, Fort Collins. Yeah. They're brewed... Um, They're brewed at Fort Collins. Brewery. Yeah. So this has uh, sorghum. Sorghum is the main grain that's used because it's gluten-free. Brown rice, which I... Doesn't brown rice have gluten? No. Hmm. Okay. Raspberry, puree, orange peel... Hops and yeast. They're hops with cascade, 5.0% alcohol by volume, 15 IBUs. So this is so they're the raspberry version of sorghum beer. So sorghum has this interesting quality to it, which is that I think it, it, it tastes pretty good up front and then leaves a little bit of an interesting aftertaste, which is, and I'll repeat myself here, something I've said before, I think it's something that you can get used to, but mm-hmm. it's sort of similar to aspartame when you first taste it. It's sweet, but then it has a weird kind of aftertaste. Mm-hmm. After you drink enough diet stuff, you start to actually kind of crave it in a weird way. Right. So I, I don't know Yeah, I mean, it's similar. It, it, we don't yeah. drink enough sorghum beers. We're, we're going to try to, you know, we try to drink these ones fairly. And if you're a celiac, if you have, you know, gluten problems, your, your options are limited. And like Greg said, it could very easily be one it, when, when you're facing that all you can drink is sorghum and honey-based beers. Yeah. You get perfectly used to the flavor. We're lucky enough that we can drink whatever, so we're comparing it against the world's best. But we're going to try to be fair here. Yeah. 
So its color is a uh, sort of tea-like with a little bit of red. Yeah, there's a red hue to it. It's um, yeah, it's a, it's darker than golden. It's a bronze with a red hue. How about that? It's a good aroma. It smells a little bit like a raspberry molasses almost. It's it, it's a little bit stronger than just a pure raspberry. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, a little there's, bit of a sort of there's deeper. A, there's a rich raspberry yeah. flavor, like kind of like a raspberry syrup or something like that. You know, um, kind of a rich flavor. And then you can kind of smell the the sorghum aroma. It uh, what I want to say, but it's I, I'm not I'm not super happy with this, but you know it reminds me a bit of buckwheat. I was gonna say it's kind of like a muddy buckwheat. Yeah, but I don't. I think we could probably do better. I don't know. It's not like I've had a lot of sorghum. It's right. something that I think I've had once or twice. Uh, I I had it about as much as I had quinoa, the, the that right. other grain um, quinoa quinoa. It smells good. Um, there, yeah, it smells okay. <laughs> no, actually, the last sniff, it I got a little bit of um, kind of cough syrup, like a little potent. That can happen when you're doing things with a puree, even though you're mm-hmm. doing it fresh. Sometimes. These things can, especially on aroma, get a little medicine-y in the aroma. Let's see how it tastes. So it starts off with the raspberry, mm-hmm. and if it dries out, it almost has a bit of a bit of Belgian-y. I mean, it's not big Belgian, but it kind of bends you a little bit towards a Belgian-type um, character, I think. I didn't really notice that that sorghum aftertaste, that that equivalent aspartame thing on the first sip. So he said brown rice, but on the label it actually says water, sorghum, and corn extract. Hmm. I don't, I don't know what the difference is. I I agree with you that it's a little bit Belgiany. I think that that's sort of their what they're trying to do is is add a little bit of sort of Belgian quality mm-hmm. to. To make them a little bit more mm-hmm. interesting, definitely taste the raspberries were the first thing you taste. The addition of orange peel is actually kind of interesting. I think it gives it a interesting fruit. This this is probably the best new plant, at least from that one sip I had. The best new plant I've had. I take a second sip. Uh, this one's pretty good. Um, it beats the pale ale mm-hmm. um, because it it masks that sorghum off flavor or right. the sorghum aftertaste, the sorghum flavor uh, more so. So. You know, you have to. You don't have to get used to it as much. Yeah, the it's there. I think it actually matches well with the raspberry. I think that mm-hmm. that's what's going on. Is the right. raspberry has a little bit of a deep sweetness to it, and that combined with the kind of with the interesting, like we said, sort of. And sorghum's probably actually cutting the raspberry yeah, some, right? Yeah, but not bringing back its own flavor. But it has a kind of a different. We compared it to buckwheat. It's not exactly the same, but it's mm-hmm. somewhat similar. And they they actually combine well. And I think that then the orange peel is just there to sort of add another sort of extra dimension to it. I'm starting to feel a little bit of uh, lingering stuff on the right side of my tongue. The right side. Just the right side, interestingly. The conservative side. <laughs> It's 
pretty drinkable. I mean, yeah, I'm going through this glass pretty fast. Especially when you keep drinking it, the you don't let the yeah. If you don't let that, because like it gets a little bit almost it almost comes across a little bit astringent or chalky, right? Mm-hmm. If you let your palate dry out too much, and um, yeah, if you keep your keep the liquid in your mouth. You, you you stick with the raspberries and in the other flavors and um, kind of uh, encourages you to take another sip. I agree. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, this is good. I mean, this is. Oh. <laughs> I guess it's time for the commercial. Wow. Okay, that started quickly. Working, you know, on the phone. He's working from the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's finish up talking about this. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, I think this is one of the best new planets. Mm-hmm. One of the best gluten-free beers I've had. Absolutely. And um, sure, it's fruited, but the the fruit works. Finishes finish off dry. It doesn't get too sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this. I mean, it's not the it's not the best beer I've ever had. No, but I, I, no complaints. Be, it would be weird. I think if a sorghum beer suddenly became one of the best beers we ever had, just because that's not something we'd be prepared for, right? It's it, it, it'd be pretty shocking. I I guess it's possible, but we're so used to the other malts that right. it would it would take a lot. And you know, I I you know have to applaud New Planet for for giving it a shot. And this is yeah, this is definitely the the better one. This was sent to us by the brewery, like I said. Mm-hmm. No. Um, so I want to make that clear. This is this is really good for. This is the best yeah, the best sorghum beer I've ever had. Yeah, I think there's one more. I think they sent us pale ale, raspberry, and Belgian ale. I think a Belgian mm-hmm. was that one, or did we do the Belgian one already? I have to look at our history. I'm not sure. We'll check. We'll get that one on the air eventually, if not. But, uh, yeah, Raspberry off New Planet. That one works. All right. So, let's start. So, you want to support us? I know you do. You're listening, aren't you? So, there's a great way to support us. doesn't take any work. Hardly any work. You have to spend money. But you're not really spending money on us. Only sort of trans... You know, sort of stuff you buy yeah. anyway. Yes. That is, when you want to shop online, the place that has everything that you could possibly want to buy online is craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Go there, and you'll find whatever you want on this website that's Amazon. And it doesn't cost you a penny more than if you didn't go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And depending on how much we... Muster the troops to buy in a month. We'll get six and a half, seven percent of your total purchase, and that really helps support the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, we use it to cover expenses. We use it to go to beer events, um, JBF potentially for this year, and uh, very helpful. You guys have been great since we've started this whole promotion thing, and uh, it's a nice. Um, it's a nice steady income that we get. So you have to keep up doing this. You ha- you can't slack off or yeah. that's going to dry up and we're going to need to cry. Make a Patreon channel or something at that point. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your support. If you're looking for website hosting, Craft Your Radio uses Bluehost.com and there's a link on our website 
for a referral to sign up for Bluehost. And those are nice referrals. So if you're looking for website hosting, we recommend Bluehost. Wicka wicka what? All right. What is uh, what is next? So we have Newberry three. Port has yeah, to be next, really. Yeah, that has to be next. This is a beer that Greg uh, got donated from the brewery at Saver. Mm-hmm. Been in the fridge the entire time. Hopefully, it hasn't been too long. Let me go to their page. Yeah, there were nice people at the at Saver that we met, and. This one is another bottle-conditioned or non-filtered can. Greg's is a lot muddier than mine. <laughs> this is their flagship beer. It's 5.5% alcohol by volume. That's the thing I have. I have a real problem with decanting carefully from a can. Mm. Because my goal is to keep the beer off the outside of the can. Hmm. You know, because the outside of the can isn't is not coated. doesn't have the the poly the polymer coating. Right, yes. right. So my goal is to kind of pour it, like try to pour it over the lip. Okay, so that's an interesting question. Do you believe that... A small bit of the I mean, beer it, touching the metal is going to affect the beer that much. Well, it's about the rat poop that's on top of the can. Well, the rat poop's going to be in there anyway. <laughs> no, because once it's in the warehouse, the rat's poop on the cans. I guess you could wash your cans. That's one way to look at it. But, yeah. uh, but I mean, though, like the rat poop's going to be in the malt, right? I mean, it. it, it eh, I guess you're right. That gets spoiled. It, it, <laughs> it makes it, it caramelizes it and gives it a more uh, sure. You know. It, it, <laughs> It's more bold, right? The flavor, yeah. Okay, this has a pretty, pretty resiny, almost dank hop aroma on this one. Hmm. Hmm, Greg says. I want to smell yours. Yours is going to be more muddy. We could blend if you'd like. Yours definitely smells different. Yeah, Yeah, yours is kind of just... It smells like clouds. <laughs> we'll blend them together. All right. The color is a it's a darker. Um, what is that color? It's a it's a darker bronzish, closing in on orange. Yeah, that works. Oh, I still got the hop aroma. Do you get you good? Yeah, yeah. You get some hop aroma out of that. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of resiny, kind of dank. It smells like I don't know, maybe some warrior, maybe some Zeus. Yeah, anything, that's anything beyond that. I'm kind of just pulling. That things out of my sounds butt. right. It's, it doesn't smell like your traditional Cascader Centennial. That's mm-hmm. all. I mean, it's not Simcoe, right? I like your call of like warrior Zeus. It's, it sounds right. I did just get. I was. I, I was about to take a sip, mm-hmm. and you know, every time I take a sip, I do a little breathe in, you know, to help accentuate it. And I actually got some orange. So I stopped taking a sip to take another sniff, and I didn't get the orange. <laughs> so you're not off on the orange. I did take a sip. The what really comes through almost surprisingly to me is the malt. It's it's. It's real muffin like. It's it. I like the idea of orange. I'm thinking like a a, a muffin with mm-hmm. orange in it. A, a really. Yeah, there's almost like an orange zest on it. Um, yeah, yeah. This this has a big malt body to it. Uh, it it's too hoppy to be English, but it, it kind of feels Englishy. Mm-hmm. 
it also feels really big. And I pulled the can here. It says right in the back in big numbers, 5.5%. I got this kind of booziness, kind of this volatilization, this kind of burst of... it's. It tastes like an 8%er. I wonder if that's just flight. I wonder if that's after the raspberry, mm-hmm. if it's the... Com- I mean, it wasn't... I mean, raspberry wasn't low in alcohol, but yeah. it's just different grains and... Yeah, I don't know. Something hit me where I'm like, that tastes like an 8%er. But, uh... It's, it's really chewy. I think that's part of it. It it, it, it it's a big full mouthfeel, and mm-hmm. you can you can taste that alcohol bite to it, which is a little off style, I think, for a plain old pale ale. That's okay. I think I like it, but yeah, it definitely has an imperial type yeah. flavor to it, especially when you taste the booziness in it. And I took another sip, and yeah, I'm still tasting the booziness. Me too. I can definitely taste it. So if that's something you like in an imperial, right? And that's why you drink imperials is because you yeah. like that boozy flavor, and you want to get it in something with a lower uh, commitment rate. Yeah, maybe this is the beer for you, right? <laughs> Where's Newberry Port from? This is from They're in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Okay. Oh, this is their flagship. So yeah. right here, the mm-hmm. flagship. Yeah, so I assume it is their flagship beer. A well-balanced beer for smooth sailing. Mm. Oh, we should have played Sticks, Sail Away. <laughs> I'm not sure if I would call it well-balanced. I mean, I'd call it Hop Forward. I would call it Mod Forward. Okay, that makes it balanced, I guess. <laughs> Craft Beer Radio averages out to well balanced. Mm, mm. I think Ops are, it, Ops are certainly there. Mm-hmm. I think it has an impressive malt flavor to it. Yeah. For me, it's still hop. I mean, I don't want to belabor the point, but you know, that's it. I think the hops are there, or the malt is there. It is significant. But the hops are the hops are definitely really there. But there. when I think forward, I really think about the first thing you taste. Okay, the first thing I taste, the forward of it is certainly the malt. Then the hops come in afterwards. Now it may mm-hmm. turn into more of a hoppy bit as the malt sort of lays down and the hops come along. But it definitely is the first thing you taste is that muffiny malt. The drinking speed of this, and this one's slowing me down. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's a bad thing, right? Because the bitterness in this thing, it's it's kind of different than the new planet, where the new planet is like, let's stay with the in-the-mouth flavors. You know, let's keep the raspberries going. Let's keep the orange peel going. Let, you know, this one's one where like, well, the aftertaste there, A, the aftertaste is much more bitter. So you don't want to pile that on yeah. too thickly. It's also but more it's complicated, also, right? It I is mean, more complicated, and you can really settle yeah. with it and kind of see how it fades out and things like that. So this one's really slowing down the drinking pace compared to the last one. That's one thing I would have never imagined nine years ago, is that certain beers would determine their own drinking pace. <laughs> right? And it's... Okay, the question is, on that one, is it the beers that are doing that, or is it our attempt to analyze them that's doing that? No, I, I think, I mean, you, I think it's the beers, right? I mean, flight has something to do with it, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even when you go to a bar and order a beer, there's ones that you want to take a sip after sip after sip. There's some you kind of want to, you know, sit with for a while, right? True. Absolutely true. 
And it doesn't necessarily correlate to high alcohol or even high flavor. Mm -hmm. It's it's a quality that some beers have and other beers don't that there's there's real complexities you want to tear into and other ones are just kind of and I don't want to say plainer because that's not quite the way it works but it's they inspire more you they inspire you more to just keep sipping whereas this one is one of those ones oh, that's like so I this, want to analyze this past week I drank it. one of the um, Trumers out of the Schumer glass they sent us. Mm-hmm. They sent us uh, some Schumer Pills glasses, which are these. It's a stange. It's kind of like the Kolsch style glass. It's probably about almost a foot tall. It's about an inch and a half in diameter and just a cylinder, right? Yeah. And it's a beer rocket. It just shoots beer right <laughs> into your mouth, right? Because there's no curves. There's no nothing. Right, there's, yeah. there's a little bit of a bead on the, the lip, right? Which gives a little bit of turbulence. But it really changes... How the beer flows from the glass into your mouth. I don't know what my opinion is on that yet. It's just that it is a very different drinking experience drinking from Mistange than it is from the sniffers that we normally use. So you don't know whether you necessarily liked it more or not. Because that would be what is would be interesting is if I mean not not that it's not interesting that there's a different experience. Mm-hmm. It's definitely interesting. But if you found the Stange was a better vessel i mean but the staunch could be a better vessel there's there's things about like when you if you go back and listen to the saver salon where they were doing the left hand stout glass with left hand and rogue right um they were talking about some of these things and they i believe i have a vague recollection they specifically talked about something like a staunch for pills or something like that. And it's, it's, and they said something about the kind of delivery that that provides. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to try to quote anything because I don't remember exactly. But for me, like I said, a beer rocket, you know, the stuff just flows, yeah. slides right down that glass, right into your mouth. And, and actually the diameter of the opening, that's a smaller diameter. So it, the, 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 the lip of the glass instructs your lips how open or closed to be, right? Yeah. So that has something there. So I, I don't remember which way that bends, right? Smaller diameter, more open or, or opposite. I don't know. But, you know, that was part of it too, right? Because that glass told my lips to do a certain thing, which is part of the design. We've discussed something similar to this before, and it, it comes down to that there's a difference between taste and smell and flavor. Because taste is specifically what you get in your taste buds. Smell is specifically your olfactory. But flavor is an amalgamation of a couple mm-hmm. senses. It's it's uh, fla- it's taste, it's smell, it's also uh, relative temperature. There's lots of things going on. It's the melange of a couple of senses. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that things like aeration and you know how it is delivered affects that mm-hmm. it because it is a, a more emergent property than simply you know okay this is a pure sensory right piece of information okay we're finishing up the newberry port mm-hmm. i like that all right so now we get into some of the bigger beers here we're gonna save the saranac for last because actually the marketing material that megan sent me Said to drink this beer at room temperature. Mm-hmm. 
that's that's an impressive statement coming from a brewery, right? Yeah. Um, I meant to email her and ask her exactly what she meant by room temperature, whether she meant cellar temperature or seventy-two. Yeah, that would be room. Did temp. she mean fifty-two, fifty-eight, sixty-four, or seventy-five? Right. Um, I'm guessing that she meant one of the lower ones on that range, but we're gonna save that we one for last. Know. Before we do that, we're gonna do the uh, Ranger Creek Small Batch Number Eight. This is an English style barley wine at ten point a ten percent alcohol by volume. What the what? Sent to us by the brewery in Austin. This was bottled Texas. on no San Antonio, Texas. I'm sorry. Is that a seven or a two? It's a seven. It was bottled on July third, twenty fourteen. No, really? That can't be right. That's be a two. That's be a two. Yeah. That's be a two. Yeah, because it's barley wine. <laughs> I wouldn't want a barley wine from. Uh, 14 what, we, 16 we got days it. ago. Yeah, we got it before then. So yeah, it can't be a 7. No, well, it, it I don't know if we like, got it before then, but... It looked like a 7, though. I mean... It, you know, whatever. Probably February. This is slightly bigger. Was this, how big is this bottle? It's 12.7 fluid ounces. It's crazy how much um, 7 tenths of an ounce screws up my yeah. calibration for pouring into two glasses. Yeah, that's probably a two. Now that I'm looking at it, uh, if only because I mean they only brew this once a year, their small batch series, and then it they wax them. I mean, it would seem to like they send them mm-hmm. right after. A couple things going on in the aroma here. I'm trying to figure it out. First thing I got was kind of hoppy. And then I thought I smelled something that was kind of Flanders-y. And That's I'm not, interesting. I'm not getting that anymore. Now I'm smelling... You smell peanut butter? No, I'm smelling raspberries. Hmm. I smell like a toffee peanut butter. That's better than... That's more than more of what you would expect than raspberries. Let's let's switch. Let's just see. I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yours is different. <laughs> yours does smell more fruity. Mm-hmm. Here, let's blend. So we're blending to get to this, this crazy bottle stratification thing. Yeah, we had Dave trying to. Uh, no, no, Greg. Yeah, it was Greg who Greg McGill was on the show from New Zealand was trying to help us figure out why we were seeing bottle stratification and maybe if it was a process and not the bottle. Mm-hmm. I don't but. think that's the case. I think it's more likely that bottle stratification is something that almost always happens based on, on our experience. Mm-hmm. But like I said before, when we were doing it earlier, we didn't know enough about each other's mm-hmm. tastes and we weren't calibrated enough to figure out if we were really tasting something different. So it didn't right. seem... Worth it to, you know, try. Right. And now, as we're more experienced, right. as we have more knowledge, it definitely seems like something that happens a whole lot. Yeah. The argument- when you, if you pour one beer just for yourself, you're not going to see it. Right, right. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to live in a world where we have to drink 12 ounces of each beer. I know. <laughs> that, that would be that a hard would be show. That would be tough. <laughs> We're not afraid of each other's cooties, so we're okay with 
mixing. Mm-hmm. So that's good. We did think about possibly pouring into one pouring vessel. Pouring the whole beer out and then splitting it. Yeah. But we don't want to lose that much carbonation on every single beer. Right. Some are definitely more effective than I'm others. I'm still smelling raspberries. And it's not residue from beer three I'm, years ago. I'm smelling that too. Okay. In the in the mixed beer. It was not something I was smelling in just my part. Mm-hmm. They do say at the bottom here, refermented in the bottle, pour carefully. There's definitely some sludge at the bottom. Okay, the flavor. I was getting kind of stymied on the aromas. I went on to the flavor. Has a, a barley wine type flavor. Also has a bit of cherry type flavor. You're not wrong. And almost a bit of cocoa too. I'm missing that toad that toffee that I was mm. smelling. I kind of wish that was there. I stole it from you, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's alright. I think this one needs more age. I think it could turn into something special. Yeah. In a couple of years, yeah. I think if you get a hold of this one, age it, I think it will really smooth out and it will those things that, that we noticed will become really more spectacular mm-hmm. as it goes on. Yeah, up. I think it has promise, right? It could really get some, some good character to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're drinking it at five months. Yeah. Yeah, or six, almost six months. And uh, it's starting to, to develop some neat things, but you could see where, like, in three years, this could be pretty yeah, pretty neat. This could be really, really just pretty special beer. One of those ones you just pour and you sip for for half a day. You're just like, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, little little tiny sips of this. I saw some dude on Twitter tweet a um, beer to Mars Asian barrel for 14 months type beer. I'm like, that's Greg's beer. <laughs> oh, was it was it Jolly Pumpkin? What's that? Yeah, it was Jolly Pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Jolly Pumpkin actually retweeted it. That's how I saw it. Yeah. And, uh, like that's the beer. That that is. <laughs> My favorite beer of all time. I can, I, I still confidently say that. The dude was like, oh, I found this in the back of my wine fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I wish I had some of those in the back of my wine you fridge. Have no, I mean, it's, it's one of the you have no idea what you're getting into. <laughs> uh, yeah, Greg, find, I remember Greg, Greg was here and he finally tweeted that he found it. Mm-hmm. In like Chicago or something. And he was like, wow, this really is. Yeah, so yeah, it's a. It's a special beer, that beer. So this beer is 10%, right? Yes, the eight, Ranger eight. Creek Small Batch 8 is 10%. It's hiding the booze, isn't it? It is hiding the booze pretty well. I wonder if that would be the case after time. Oh, I, I think it, I think the booze might sort of assert itself a little bit more. But other flavors would as well. But right now, it is pretty. it is hiding the booze very well. So the color of this is kind of a... Dark orange, a little bit of a it matches your table. Well, it actually you're darker than your table. It's a woody kind of color. That's a barley wine. Mm-hmm. It's a young barley wine. It's not too hoppy. No, you know because you know I like bar- English barley wines. I like barley wines with this age is an because English, they, they call it English at least because I'm not a huge fan of hoppy West Coast barley wines. The uh, so this one doesn't have tons of hops, 
Yeah, this thing would age wonderfully. Mm-hmm. The the cherry flavor is kind of fascinating. It it is really cherry to me. It, it almost tastes like there's cherries, or no, it doesn't because it doesn't have more of that sour no, cherry flavor. No. It just has this huge, almost like pie cherry type flavor. Yeah, it's coming from the yeast. It's mm-hmm. it's an ester that's coming out, but it's it's there. I absolutely agree with you. It's kind of a pie cherry or cherry cream or something mm. like that. I'd drink this over a cherry Coke any day. <laughs> as long as I was able to drink 10% alcohol. Right. Without it uh, severely affecting me, yeah. All right. So, so our... that was interesting because we were able to kind of down that pretty quickly where I think that if we aged it, there would have been so much nuance and stuff that we would have been yeah. exploring it for a long time. <clears throat> All right. This last beer is from Saranac. This is their single malt scotch ale. Mm. Megan sent it to us from the brewery. And uh, she said something along the lines of, I hope you enjoy it. There's not very many of these. That sounds nice. So this is a it. The malts that they used are North American Two Row and Crystal. Hops that they used are Bravo and Mount Hood. Nine percent alcohol by volume. And so what they say is that they took a they aged a single malt Scotch ale in whiskey barrels that they brought over from the Tomintowl Distillery in Scotland. And they say uh, there should be a noticeable whiskey note in the aroma and finish. Yeah, on the front label here it says um, ale blended with ale aged in whiskey barrels. So it's not 100% right. barrel aged. Uh, Makes sense. I mean, when yeah. you're doing a whiskey thing, it kind of helps to <laughs> cut that a little bit. Yeah. And she said, I don't know if the marketing stuff's around here. There it is. Drink at room temperature. See it right there? All right, well, let's, let's take a temperature. Let's see right what we've got. This thing is at 64.9 degrees. Yeah, mine's the same. 64.8. Close enough. Let this beer rest. After pouring and opening, after opening and pouring, the more it opens up. Take your time. Let it breathe. The beer literally gets better every minute. Literally. Literally. Literally gets better every minute. Well, we'll be the judge of that, won't we? But okay, so we open the beer. Let's let it sit. What do you want to talk about? Uh, beer. Okay, so there there was some beer news recently. One thing that I, that I oh, saw, yeah, was that uh, who's the guy who's running Coors right now? I don't know who's running Coors. Is it right Paul now? Coors, something like that? He he doesn't understand the craft beer market at all. He doesn't understand where why craft beer is uh-huh. being big but he, he does say that he's going to that they're going to try to you know be crafty um you know, which is weird because they already kind of have it with blue moon and stuff like that right but, but he doesn't understand why because he drinks quote-unquote banquet beers all the time mm-hmm. uh, you know if you, you grow up on that stuff and you just get so into it i guess that you drink it but man Coors is one of the I really, I really dislike if I'm taking talking about any of those pills or the quote unquote American style pills or the caps. I don't like Coors kind of most of all because it's the most corn tasting one that has a big sweetness to it. I, I think that uh, if any of them, I, I guess I would go for the sort of the Miller 
more than than any of the other ones. And then Budweiser and then Coors. Yeah, I mean, but it's <laughs> you know it's it's uh, he doesn't none I mean, of them are <laughs> doesn't get craft beer. I mean, it's it's, it's about. I don't know. I don't want. I I don't think I can succinctly to do it right. I mean, we, this is. I mean, it's yeah. about what we do, yeah. right? It's yeah. about the flavors. It's right. about. It's not about. It's not about the most profitable way to yeah. make that beer. He it's was about the best way to make that beer, right? He, and, he was, he's apparently complaining that there are you know that, that lots of bars are taking out the light beer taps and putting in craft beer taps, and he's losing space on the shelves. Well, I mean. Look, you know, one of the things the Brewers Station always talks about is the profitability yeah. of a craft tap versus a mm-hmm. macro tap. It it is more profitable. There's a higher margin, especially with markups. You know, from brewery to wholesaler to to retail, mm-hmm. right? And um, yeah, so absolutely. Now the question is: Are they saying how can we compete and save the most money? Or are they saying, how can we really compete, right? Right. And, and it seems like they're always saying, how can we compete and save the most money, right? Well, this is the thing I brought up last week, which is that these brewers are certainly capable of making beers that are of similar quality to other craft beers. They definitely have that capability. But they don't have the capability of selling it because they have to please certain margins. Well, there's also the, the these really big brewers, right? They have a formula. Make a new brand. Mm-hmm. Put whatever in the can. Push the hell out of it. Get a sales bump for the first eight months. And let the brand fizzle out, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's this kind of car model year type thing, right? But but not model For years, some but, of them. I mean, for but, some of what they do, not everything. I mean, there's definitely yeah. things like, you know, I, I see it... Definitely see a lot with Budweiser with their their premium. You know, they do the platinum or mm-hmm. they do all yeah. types of interesting. But that's a certain stuff. business. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a valid business plan, right? It, it, the thing is that you know the irony is that they still have so much more of the market than craft beer that mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of silly. Right. But they're definitely noticing craft beer. Right. Absolutely. Uh, the one other thing I would like to talk about is Stone Brewing. They just started, uh, I was telling Greg about this before we started recording, they just announced the other day that they're going to be opening a brewery in Berlin, Berlin, Germany, and uh, they're kind of collecting funds through Indiegogo to help fund this. They're looking for... So for those who aren't aware, the Indiegogo is kind of like Kickstarter, except for Kickstarter only lets you get the money if you get to your goal. Indiegogo lets you get any money you've collected. Okay. So what they're they're looking for at least a million dollars. Um, they're have a stretch goal. They have two stretch goals. They have a two and a half million dollar stretch goal, and they have like a five, four and a half or five million dollar stretch goal. It, but what you are pledging, you're not just pledging to them to fund a brewery. Mm-hmm. You're buying things. Um, you're paying now for something you get later. Yeah. Um, you can buy swag, and you'll get that by the end of the year. Um, but the the things that most people are going to be buying are they're doing these things called groundbreaking collaborations. So they're going to be doing a collaboration with um, Victory and and uh, Dogfish again, right? And they're going to be doing this over the top version of saison 
debuff or something, you know, a better version of Saison debuff, something that's really worth it. So they have three of collaborations on their website. They have one with Brewdog, one with Victory in Dogfish, and they have one with another brewery. I apologize, I don't remember the name. It's a European brewery. So you can buy one, you can buy as many bottles of each of these beers as you want, but they're 50 bucks a bottle. It's a one and a half liter Magnum type bottle. Um, you can buy a case for the price of 10. You can buy, so you can get a case for 500 bucks. Uh, you can do things like go to the beer dinners. It's really expensive for beer, particularly beer that you really don't know what's going to happen with it. I mean, well, that's you, it. How, you 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 understand these are great brewers that you admire and you think that they're going to make at fifty beer. bucks a bottle. You know they're going to put a large ingredient cost into the beer, right? You don't know you that. Just, I mean, you may you may assume that, but they could be just making a regular beer and just marking up the price considerably because I mean they're using it to fund something. Yeah. So it's it's not really it's not so much about. Well, Greg says it's going to be an amazing beer. So, whatever. He's going to... What, he's going to say? This is going to be a crappy beer. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, right, right. So, you can sign up, get these right. one-of-a-kind beers. But, you know, because shipping beer is fraught with peril, you have to be able to pick these beers up at one of the Stone locations. You can pick them up at any of the Stone places on the West Coast. You could pick them up at the not-yet-disclosed East Coast brewery location. Or you can pick them up in Berlin. Um, so, you know, if you live in the southern eastern United States, you'd be more tempted than us living in Pittsburgh because yeah. it's probably going to be in South Carolina, Georgia, something like that. It's not going to be in, it's not going to be within five hours of here. Um, but there, there's that. There's a whole bunch of things you can buy. Uh, you know, I was a little bit incredulous at first about someone like Stone asking for so much money, but they kind of, the way they explained it was that. You know, even them being stone, they're doing these two breweries. It's very ambitious. They couldn't fund it. They are also taking out loans and whatnot, but they Mm -hmm. couldn't fund what they needed to fund without giving up ownership, some of the ownership of their company. Yeah, I mean, this is maybe more of a poster topic in terms of of how I look at the the, the Kickstarter Indiegogo stuff. But I, I can appreciate that what you're doing is you're reaching out to fans of something and you're saying, look... You you appreciate this, right? You're probably willing to put in more money than just the average person for but, this. You know, this is not. But Stone's not doing any donation stuff. You get something for all the money you put in. Well, if you that, buy that's the. I mean, that that's the thing that these. If you, you know, buy a hundred dollar gift card, you get one hundred and twenty dollars in gift cards, right? I mean, you put in a hundred bucks, you get a hundred twenty dollar gift card. So they're actually giving you interest on your donation, or you're getting these amazing beers, or you know, so you have options. Right. So I mean, but so what they're doing is they're saying, look, you know, we're giving you a little bit. More than what you're putting in, because ultimately we think that we'll be if we get the money to make this, we'll be able to make so much money that it will be worth it. Yeah, and then their claim, like I said, their claim is they couldn't raise this money that they want to raise without giving up some ownership share of the company. I totally believe that. So I mean, it. I'm I'm less incredulous. I think it's yeah. a, it's a worthy goal, and it, because they're not asking for handouts, because mm-hmm. they're giving you something for all the money you donate. I think you know it's worth it's worth checking out, and I think it's about it's about time to talk about this room temperature beer. All right, well, let's see what we got. Let's see how the temperature is. I've been trying to warm it with yeah. My Greg's hands. been holding it. I haven't. I'm at sixty five. That's about room temperature. Yeah, about. I'm at seventy three point nine. Yeah, you I heat am that puppy on up. It. I am on it. All right, so 
Beer pours a. Oh wow! It's pretty clear, very clear. Ooh, and it smells a, great. Kind of a tea, tea type color, uh, brown, mm-hmm. kind of a yeah, bit of orangey hue to it. It's a little. It's also, uh, but it's not clear, right? It, it's mm-hmm. it's got a little bit of haze in it. My, mine's pretty clear. I can see the, the fingerprints on the other side of the glass. I can. The actual I mean, look. This is oh, okay. here. All right. Yours is a little cloudier. Mine's super yeah. clear. I Give can... mine a smell at the higher temperature. It really smells kind of toffee-like, mm-hmm. and there's really a lot of great aroma coming off of this. Every time I grab Greg's glass, I can smell, also smell a little bit of Greg's cologne or whatever. whatever <laughs> the aftershave. The aftershave. aftershave. That's it. The Sorry. aftershave. I try. I, I really do try to wash that off a lot. Mm-hmm. It only comes, you know, if I put something really close. You don't smell it from where you are. No, I don't now. smell it. But when I grab your glass, I can yeah. smell it on the outside of your glass. Yeah. Because it's, it's going right after my face. So. Yeah, yeah. Or it's on your hands or something. But I can smell it on the outside of your glass when I grab I glass. wash my face really. After I put that <laughs> in front, I go, and I just, you know, kind of <laughs> really rub my face with a lot of soap. But it doesn't get rid of everything. But, man, if you don't put on that aftershave, it hurts. <laughs> Okay, so the the aroma is not so much scotch as it is sort of caramelish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not nearly as smoky as you might expect. I, I'm on to the flavor already, and the flavors the flavors nice. Let's see, it's um some some uh, rich caramel in there. There's some oakiness, right? Some oakiness, yeah, coming from the barrels. Don't taste a whole lot of scotch, which I'm actually appreciative of mm-hmm. because I'm not a huge... I mean, I like scotch more like whiskey, but I still am not huge into it as much as I would like to be, even though... Because I kind of think it's... I kind of think it's really uh, one of the better spirits out there. Flavor's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty similar, even though mine is a little bit... It's, it's definitely warmer. It's uh, mm-hmm. seven or eight degrees warmer. Okay, so we we go into this thing... Okay, they, they told us to be really, really delicate with it. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it needs that kind of delicacy. You know, they, they say it's... Well, telling us to drink it at room yeah. temperature and telling your average Joe to drink it at room temperature are two different things. We're going to take it literally. We're going to drink it at 72 degrees. The average Joe is going to drink it at, what, 55? Maybe. So. If they pull it right out of their fridge, they're definitely going to taste it, take it at that. If no, not, no, the average Joe's like, fridge is going to be at 34 degrees. Yeah, that's true. Well, 34 is a little, a little much. But Possibly. Mm-hmm. Possibly. This is one of the better scotch ales, in my opinion. Most because it doesn't really taste like scotch. It really has. See, for me, it's 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 different. It, it's not reminding me of a stylistic beer, right? It's. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it's off the mark, right? But it. 
you know, I, I'm not equating it to a Scotch ale. I'm still trying no. to figure out what I'm I, equating it to. It's almost a bit more barley wine. I was thinking the bit... exact same thing. It's a little. It's it's really more along the barley wine. It doesn't really have the smokiness. It doesn't have the the, the huge, mel- huge melanoid quality to it. Yeah, uh, it 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 doesn't have the alcohol burn that I kind of expect. It's it's a really I, I like it. I like the flavor a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I like what's coming through this sort of caramel stuff with. Uh, a bit of a woody thing, but there's not smoky mm-hmm. stuff coming through. This is definitely one of my favorite Scotch ales from a person who Doesn't is like not Scotch huge ales, into right. Scotch ales. So take that as you will. If you love Scotch ales, this is probably going to feel a little bit restrained. I'll toss a little lag of woolen in here, and I'll get right <laughs> up to right up to speed. No, I mean it's good beer. It just, I'm trying to figure out, like, where it fits. And I, for me, it doesn't really fit under Scotch Ale so much. It's missing um, some of the, uh, you know, the, the rich, dark melanoidins, right? Something that's a little um, woody or barky. <laughs> Greg's going through this notebook, and Allison's drawn something <laughs> on every page. <laughs> jack-o'-lanterns and i don't know when she drew that <laughs> i'm i'm gonna just go on a limb and say it's probably sometime around halloween <laughs> just guessing way out there i know crazy <laughs> crazy idea okay so we reached the end of the show time to rank i think because i mean there's it's interesting but how much more can we you know spend time yeah, analyzing good point, it, good right point. so all right, let's take these. And you went first last time. That means it's my turn to go first, unless you just have a great idea. Right. Uh, I still got to work on it a little bit, so if you don't mind. Okay. Well, it's a little tough. I'm certainly going to think about it a little bit. So, hmm. Well, okay. So this guy needs to age. This guy was a little muddy. This guy was much better than me, sort of kind of expected going Mm -hmm. in this was a really interesting take this is different than you would expect just tell people what you're talking about (laughs) sorry instead of keeping them all right so i'll I'll go i'll go through what i feel about it we're entering greg's mind and then i will rank them so the thing I said that was that needed age was the Ranger Creek Small Batch series. It, the the barley wine I think it was a good barley wine, but it needed time. It needs time to age to get really the super quality that it needs. The pale ale was a bit muddy. The Newport age, a Newport the Newbury Port rather, a bit muddy. But I, I liked the you know we. It, it turned out to be balanced based on what we both described because you thought it was hot forward, I thought it was malt forward. Mm-hmm. That means it's balanced, right? Right. Uh, the new planet was much better than we expected, primarily because they really handled the sorghum extremely well. Mm-hmm. The Scotch ale, the Saranac Scotch ale, was different than your standard Scotch ale. It really, I think, brings a new, it, it, more barley wine like than than you would think of the Scotch ale, but I. I'm appreciative of that. Then we have the two Pilsners, which really, um, I think, kind of started off the night in a really great way. I think that those were uh, really just uh, pretty great and different examples of just 
taking something and playing around. So I think these are two are going to fight for first place. And I think it's going to be the River Horses, number one. That's going to be my number one, is that River Horse. I really appreciated what they were doing. It was kind of like the trimmer that we had in the, in the pre-show, but it had that sort of American twist without kind of going into uh, into this sort of more somewhat absurd but also understandable directions mm-hmm. that Chris went into with my number two beer for the uh, for the six point. That was I, I just I really appreciated these pilsners coming out of the bat. I really and this was something that seven years ago. I, I doubt I would ever rank them like mm-hmm. that. So my number three beer, I'm going to put the Saranac. I really like what's going on with this beer. I really like a Scotch ale that doesn't overpower me with just, oh, okay, so you just want a whole lot of smoky, peaty beer, right? No, no, I, I kind of like some of the flavors, some of the real caramel stuff and some of the woody stuff that comes out of it, but I don't like to be just reminded of, okay, this is a spirit that we've diluted into a sort of beer. Or we're, we're, we're taking it... Because a spirit, you know, scotch ales and whatever, they start out as a beer and then they dilute and they, mm-hmm. then they don't dilute them, they distill them. So this is sort of taking it back into a beer and not going crazy with it. I, I, I like the Saranac a lot. Number four... It gets a little, gets really hard here because I don't think any of these beers are bad. My yeah, my middle, my middle of the pack's really tough here. I almost feel like there's hard luck loser. Oh, absolutely. There's going to be a hard luck loser, but I think the hard luck loser is yeah. I think I know what the hard luck loser is. So I'm going to say that the the Ranger Creek is number four, and the reason why I feel that way is because I think that once it ages, it'll be really special. So, while I don't, you know, think it was, it probably was further along in the pack Mm -hmm. in terms of what we tasted right now, I think that if you age it, it will be way up there. So I'm kind of giving a little deference Mm -hmm. to to how I think it will age. And my number five beer is going to be the New Planet, because I really liked what they did with turning a sorghum beer into something that is drinkable and didn't have those kind of extra mm-hmm. qualities that we you know sometimes downgrade gluten free beers from. And really, a hard luck loser is a Newport Pale Newport, Newport Pale Ale, and really, it's just because. Uh, the other one spoke a little bit louder. It's okay. not because it was a bad beer by any stretch of the imagination. I think it was really nice. Just the other ones told me better stories. So I have a favorite, and then the rest of the pack is so tight, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's really a photo finish. But the the crisp mm. mm-hmm. from Six Point, that is my number one beer. I just really like the place it put me in. It's like, it's a Pilsner version of an IPA. It had green in it. It was green. It was green. I mean, it was, it was really interesting. And I'm, I almost hesitate. I'm like, I don't want to make it 
I don't elevate it because it's gimmickly hopped. I don't think it was gimmickly hopped, right? I think it was a no, very solid so. beer. So that is number one. Number two, Pilsers win the night, rain the night. I'm going to give the River Horse the second place beer of the night. Um, but it's really close to the rest of the competition. Like right up there. So it, it wins out by a nose. Uh, what I liked about the River Horse was probably that little more bold, little more malty um, type uh, characteristic that the beer has. Three. Let's see. Where's number three? I'm going to give Newberry Port number three. All right. Uh, it's, it's all neck and neck in here. I really don't have... Yeah, it's, great explanations on it. I mean, from three to six, one. three to six is really a virtual tie. Uh, I enjoyed the Newberry Port. I liked the hoppiness. I liked the maltiness. Um, I think it was good, and the beer had, you know, three months of age on it or whatnot. So hopefully, uh, you know, super fresh beer is even cleaner. Number four, I'm going to put the Raspberry from New Planet. Um, very drinkable. Best gluten-free beer I've had the opportunity to taste. Uh, I think that's very well done. Now we get into Hard Luck Loser Range. Number five, I'm going to put the Ranger Creek. I think it was a good base for an old ale. For a beer that should be aged. Yeah. And we just got to it way too early. If only we knew, right? If only we could tell... That, like, hey, put this beer in the cellar for three years, right? I mean, they say so, right? <laughs> but but it was also sent to us by the brewery, so we're like, well, let's yeah. give it a shot. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, it, it it pains me a little bit, but the, the Saranac, it just, for me, it wasn't the Scotch Ale I was looking for. It definitely was the Scotch Ale I was looking right, for. Right, right, right. I mean, it's not a bad beer. It just, you know, for my preference, it wasn't what I was looking for, and uh, it's the hard luck loser for me. Alright, well, that is Craft Beer Radio for this week, and I guess that's all we have, That's right? all we have. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. Anything doesn't have music bed under it. Anything doesn't have music bed under it. If you would like to uh, send us feedback, or comments, or hate mail, or whatever... You can email us beer at craftbeerradio.com. Weirdly enough, we're probably going to respond more to hate mail than anything else. Yes, yes, be incendiary. Um, Twitter, I am at Jeff Bear. He is at CBR Greg. And our Google Plus and Facebook are kind of, you know, on hiatus at the time being. That's a good way to put we don't look at it. Yes. I love the Hammond organ. In Johnny Cash's version of Personal Jesus. Feeling unknown and you're all alone. Flesh and bone by the telephone. Lift up the receiver, I'll make you a believer.